but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, we thank you for giving us this opportunity of reading your word. We ask you, Father, dear God, that you will give us or grant us the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding to apply it in our lives so that we can be effective followers of your kingdom. Father, we thank you. And the church of God says, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Look at your neighbor and says, therefore, therefore, put to death the members of your earthly desires. Amen. For the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this subject. Entitled, Failure to Repent Will Lead to Destruction. And the whole concept of this is to get people to understand that God wants his body cleansed. God wants his people to be restored and be renewed. So that we can effectively do what he has called us to do. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Colossae. And he says to them, hey listen. Now that you are born again, you are a new man and a new woman. Therefore, in layman's terms, put away all those childish behaviors. All, all that old lifestyle, that old you, put that away, put that to death. Let that not be found in you. What, what not be found in you? Your anger, your foolish talk, in other words, talking out of emotions, not knowing that every word that comes out of your mouth since the day you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Lord and personal Savior, and you got baptized in water, and you came up and you confessed, since that day you're going to give account to God from that day forward. Because prior to that, you didn't know God. So you didn't know better. But now that you know God, you know better. Your excuse is not justified. God is talking to each and every one of us, especially those that come to the Resurrection Center. In this church, you will get a word that is sound. You will not ever get a word that will entertain your flesh. You will get a word that will confront you. Why? Because God loves you. And God has a better future for you than your current present. So God is saying, stop speaking foolishness and stop acting like a clown. Because your shame will be public and people will see it. 
and God will displace it because God will not be mocked. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what are the godly character traits that God is looking for from each and every one of us? Number one, integrity. If you want to be a godly person, you have to learn how to be integral. You got to have integrity. Meaning that your words match your actions. Is that simple? Your words got to match your actions. Amen? Loyal. Loyal to every blessing and everything that God has given you. Some of the things that you're complaining about today, God has given them to you. And you have no idea that he gave them to you. And you're not even loyal to this thing. But you're asking God for big things. You're asking God for a new house. You're asking God for a new car. And God is saying, only if you knew I already gave you sign and you haven't even honored me with that. Your lifestyle speaks volumes. How many of you will ever go to someone's house and eat in that house knowing that that house is dirty? You wouldn't, you wouldn't even take the invitation. You will make up an excuse, right? Be like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good, I'm good. And while you're trying to make up the excuse, you, you run out of ideas what kind of excuse you're going to bring up because you know that that house is dirty. And sometimes we're more focused on the things that we see rather than the things that we don't see. How can your house be more clean than your inside temple? How is it that you make a schedule to have your house so sparkly clean but your temple, which is your spirit, is dirty. Loyalty. Number three, God is looking for people who have devotion. Learn how to discipline yourself. Learn how to have devotion. Learn how to take out time. You have the time. You have the time. You got to use it wisely. Many of us are wasting time. How is it possible that you have a word from God, but you have absolutely no time to read the Bible, no time to seek his presence? No, you have time to flip the channel, but you don't have time to flip a page. And you want to correct the pastor. And you want to come against God's anointed. Shame on you. Now, you don't physically have to come against the pastor. Your thoughts do. And your actions are you hearing what I'm saying? If you can flip a channel, flip a page. Number four, you have to be loving. You'd be surprised how many Christians drive by neighborhoods and point out all the wrong things in those neighborhoods and are not moved by passion and love to say, God, restore this neighborhood. God, I speak into the atmosphere that you will bring men and women into this. I, I pray that this person will become an evangelist, that this person will become a pastor. No, they do the opposite. And you are born again? Born to what? Not born to God. You were born to yourself because people that only have self-interest only think about themselves and don't think about others. They talk about Springfield all the time. I say, you better be careful how you talk about my city because this is God's city. Now, I'm many of many people who I'm not aware of or people that I'm aware of that have the same prayers and have the same petitions. And I will continue to say that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But you have to do your duty. So... Part of your new character as a man or a woman of God is to act this way, to be loving. Amen? Number five, to be sincere. Number six, to have kindness. 
And number seven, overall, self-control. If you don't have self-control by now, you will be another statistic for Satan to welcome into hell. Because the Bible teaches us that only the true children of God will inherit his kingdom, not the lack of. And many of us are playing church and not being the church. Because God sees what other people don't see, especially when you're at home acting up a fool or in your workplace. Amen? So God placed this series in my heart. And one of the reasons behind this series was to get the believer to understand that God is expecting from them more than what they're giving. And, and one of the ways that we can truly repent is to recognize that we got it wrong. If you truly want to repent in the presence of God, you got to acknowledge. You have to recognize that you messed up. Or that defeats the purpose of you repenting. When you could come sincerely in the presence of God and say, I got it wrong. I, I messed up. I dropped the ball. God, forgive me. We want people to forgive us and we want people to, uh, to respect us. But mainly, are you respecting yourself? Because when you respect yourself, you take the initiative to make things right. I, I don't care who sees me or who doesn't see me. God sees me. You get what I'm saying? That's the most important thing that I recognize I messed up. I did something that I should have done. And I ask you for forgiveness. Why, God? Because I owe it to you. Why? Because of everything that you have done for me and everything you have tolerated from me. I shouldn't be even here on this altar preaching or teaching. I should have been dead a long time ago. And people that know my past knew that I was a bad boy. But when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I began to walk. It was hard. It was difficult in more ways than one. I didn't want to give up the things that I liked. But I understood that the things that I liked were not good for me. They were going to destroy me or even hurt me in more ways than one. So I knew I needed to learn how to repent and understand that I needed to recognize that I had it wrong. Number two, regret. When you truly want to repent, or you truly repent, better said, you regret the choices that you made. Now, regret is not feeling sorry. Regret is having true remorse. Because some people say, oh, you know, I regret it. You regret it because you got caught doing it. It's a big difference. But true regret is saying, man, I wonder how that person felt when I was doing them wrong. Imagine if I was in their shoes. You know, you, you take off your shoes, you put somebody else's shoe, and you have true remorse. To the point that you say, I can never see myself doing that because I know how painful that feels. Amen? Number four, you need to resolve. In order to repent, truly repent, you need to resolve issues. There are a lot of issues and things to have not resolved yet, that you have manned up and said, you know what, I need to call this person, I need to have a talk, I need to have a, some kind of reconciliation, even though it might hurt me, even though I have to swallow my pride, I'd rather resolve that issue than live in denial. Many of you have never resolved your issues. And you're asking God to give you a new 
level or a new dimension. And God is saying, I can't because you have to release something. There's something in your heart that you have not yet resolved. And if I give you a greater anointing or if I bring you to another level of blessing, you, you'll miss out on it. Why? Because there's still hindrance in your heart. Resolve. You must be committed to never repeat the action regardless of the temptation or the situation. You resolved it. I will never conduct myself that way. I will never behave that way again. I learned my lesson. I'm not going to give in to pressure. I'm not going to give in to temptation. I'm going to resolve those situations. I'm going to resolve those things because I know it is better for me if I do those things. Because not only I'm expected to do it, but my father is waiting on me to do it. God is waiting on you to do some things. That's why some of you, that God has called you to write a book. You know why you can't write a book right now? You know why you can't write the next song? Because you still haven't resolved some issues. You covered up some issues. And if God brings you out, you're going to fail because the issue is going to resurface. And now many more, now you're exposed to many more other people. You're in a bigger platform. Now you can't hide it because you got 10,000 of eyes watching you. You got 10,000 likes and people are waiting for a response from you. And you as an individual have been living in denial that all of a sudden somebody says something that sparks something and you get out of character. Number four, you need to repair. Apologize. And earn your trust. Not their trust. Your trust. The ball is on your court. On your side. Some of you are waiting for other people to acknowledge their wrongdoing. Acknowledge your wrongdoing. Forget about them. God will deal with them just like he's dealing with you. Some way, some shape, some form, somehow he's going to reach them. But if you fail to apologize... And if you fail to not repair or earn your trust, you can never honestly say that you have been forgiven from your trespasses. Repentance is more than just a word. It is an action. The Apostle Paul writes this letter to the church in Colossae because the church in Colossae right now is growing. It's one of the smallest church out of the seven churches that he opened, and it's growing. And one of the things that's threatening this church is this new heresy teaching. This new heresy teaching, like the teaching of today. The, the teaching that you hear on TV, you know, God loves you, God cares about you, and never confronts you, and, 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 and never gets in your face. Everything's peachy, everything's gray, the wind is blowing your direction, the flower, it, it can't get no better. I've been living in this planet for a long time to know that if you live long enough, you'll bleed. If you live long enough, you're going to get offended. If you, get, if you live long enough, you're going to get betrayed. What kind of gospel is that? And matter of fact, I, I don't even think it's a gospel. I just think it's a drug. They high on something. There's a pandemic, and they're talking about God's blessings, and they're not talking about repentance. And, and, and it's like a dime a dozen. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. And these huge platforms that, that have been existing for the last couple of years, none of them predicted 
the pandemic. None of them predicted coronavirus. But the small churches that were unknown are now known. Now everybody's tuning into churches like this. Why? Because they realize something. They've been lied this whole time. They've been lied to. Now they're tuning in because they're saying, yo, something's coming. Something's coming. You don't even have to be a Christian to know that something's coming. You feel the tension, the unease in the atmosphere. Everywhere you go, you know something's coming. You know it. You know it. You feel it. You know it. It's everywhere. It's tough to talk about it because as a pastor or as a minister of God, we have to face the reality that we have to teach God's people the right way even if they don't receive it. Amen? The Apostle Paul tells the church in Colossae, you have to be enlightened. You have to be enlightened believers. To be an enlightened believer is to achieve spiritual fullness and spiritual knowledge through self-discipline. How can you be enlightened if the sun rises before you? And every morning it's the same excuse. Oh, I'm tired. Imagine if God woke up like that every morning, feeling that about you and I. In order to be enlightened, man, you, you have to get up early in the morning. I'm not saying every morning you're going to get up early. What I'm saying is you've got to build some kind of habit, some kind of culture, that you seek God before you seek TV, Facebook, the newspaper, before you seek anything, seek him. One of, one of the regular routines that I do every morning when I get up in the morning is that the first thing that I do, I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I usher myself into the day. And the first thing that I play on my way to work, which is 30 minutes from where I live, it's the Bible. I don't want to hear CNN. I don't want to hear Fox News. I don't want to hear about what happened in the game last night. I want to hear what God wants me to hear. That's what's going to sustain me in time of trouble. Why? Because as soon as I step foot into any facility that's outside of my house, there's going to be some trouble. How can I confront my problems and my situations if I'm not hearing from God? I'm hearing from everyone else except God. So the Apostle Paul says, in order to be enlightened, in order to achieve Spiritual fullness and spiritual knowledge, you have to have self-discipline. When was the last time you fast before somebody told you to fast? When was the last time you actually pray and intercede before somebody initiated that prayer and intercession? When was the last time that you said, we're going to shut off the TV and we're going to have Bible studies at home? When was the last time? When was the last time you looked at your Bible and said, you know what? It's time for me to upgrade my Bible and get me a real Bible with a real concordance that I can be guided, not by the apostle, not by the pastor, not by the prophet, not by the evangelist, not by the teacher, but by God. It is sad how we depend on other people. Rather, depend on the one that's interested in you most. There's nobody that's going to love you and tolerate you more than the Holy Spirit. On the face of the earth. I don't care how much your mother tells you that she loves you and she cares about you. No one's going to love you more than the Holy Spirit. No one's going to put up more with you than the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? Give God a round of applause, church. What is the result of being enlightened? You have greater knowledge. You have greater understanding 
about subjects and situations. You are able to see beyond. You are not easily offended. You are not easily moved. So when the rude lady treats you rude at the store, you don't get uptight about it. Because you see the demon that she has or the influence of a demon or maybe the situation that she's facing. But because you are immature, you, get, you catch an attitude just like the person that gave it to you. You get upset when people beat the horn at you. Okay, they're, they're, they're beeping the horn because they want you to get out the way. Get out the way! Oh, look at them. They're, 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 they're so bougie and cocky. And, and the reason why you talk like that is because you have a deficit of the Holy Spirit. Because if you were really to see that person in the way they're conducting themselves, you can say to yourself, man, that's a lost soul. That, that, that person that cut me off, that's driving that bougie car, that's acting bougie, they need God. You see how your attitude is turned around? It's turned around. You look at that rude lady and you think about how she's going to spend eternal life and you're going to think about hell and you're going to say, man, God, reach her. Reach her in her rudeness. Reach her in her ignorance. Reach her. But you don't. You give in. And instead of you being a partaker of the kingdom of God, you're a partaker of the kingdom of hell. You don't want to hear this message. God is fed up with this attitude in the church. That homeless person needs God. And you're rolling your eyes because they rolled their eyes. Roll them back because Jesus rolled back the grave for you and I and them. What's the attitude? The attitude comes from unresolved issues. What are those unresolved issues? Unforgiveness. How is it possible that God wants us to love strangers more than we love him before we even met him? The Bible says, how can you say you love me? When you don't even love your own neighbor, which you see, that's a challenge. I used to be one of those ignorant, immature Christians. I used to be critical. I used to criticize everything. I used to send everybody to hell. And then one day the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, who are you? They need me as much as you need me. That's why when people beep the horn, just move out of the way. They're driving a fancy car. God bless them. Bless them some way, some way, some shape, some form. Find them. If the lady's being rude, there was a lady being rude at me at, at, at the motor vehicles when I was getting my license. And I said, that's fine. Okay, I'm not going to act ignorant. Maybe she's having a bad day. Maybe she has a demon. Maybe she's prejudiced. Maybe she's influenced. I don't know. But I asked the Holy Spirit to give me what? Guidance, not patience. Because when you're in the Spirit, you have patience. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, what she's looking for is in your wallet. And I took it out and said, here, ma'am. Have a blessed day. May God bless you. I have no problem with nobody. I got no beef for nobody. I got no problem with nobody. For what? So that God can rebuke me for my behavior? God has given you a beautiful house, a nice car, and, and, and all of these things that you take for granted because you do. Because other people don't have it. And you still complain about it. One out of five individuals in the city of Springfield go without eating. And that was before the pandemic. Could you imagine now? And you have food in your refrigerator and you're still complaining. I, I just pray that one day you will understand where God is coming from. You know, as a pastor, I am concerned about me. Why? 
Because at the end of the day, none of this matters. This doesn't matter. What matters is this. And that's what God is looking for. That's why I'm, I'm a pastor. That I'm, I don't care if people like us on Facebook. If people share our contact. I, I'm not driven by those things. Why? Because all of those things could become vanity. Anyone could approve you. But imagine God disapproving you. That's what you should be concerned more about. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, one of the reasons why I do that is because I know that hell is real. And I don't want to lose my soul. And I don't want to be a contributor of the enemy. I want, to be a, uh, I want to contribute to the kingdom of God. So I need to align myself, even though it hurts sometimes to align yourself. Because there's some people that will get you out of character. Let me tell you something. My character has been challenged in 2020. And I have gotten out of character a few times. And the Holy Spirit said, check, check yourself, check yourself. And I said, why check myself before you wreck yourself, baby? Cut it out. And I've been able to process certain things. But you know why I feel at peace sometimes? I've been a pastor in this congregation for eight years, but I've been um, a Christian for about 20 years. The first couple of years were terrible, were horrible. I don't blame nobody. That was my fault, being ignorant. I didn't pray. I just looked up to the pastor, whatever the pastor said I did. But in all reality, I didn't have a, 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 a real relationship with the Holy Spirit. But I noticed that through the years, everyone that I touch, everyone that I talk to, because I try my best to talk to everybody about Christ. If you have met me and seen me, nine out of ten times our conversations will be about God, right? If you know me, amen? But when people say to me, Pastor, I had a dream about you. I had a dream that you got caught up in the rapture. I had a dream that you were leading me to God. I had a dream about this. All the dreams have been about me helping someone or me being a key to someone's life. So I must be doing something right. Now, when people are dreaming about you, that you are a mess and you are a wreck and you don't want to receive anything, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Now, I don't take that as a one-time thing and say, oh, I made it. No, I keep on pursuing perfection. I keep on pursuing perfection that I even get Christians annoyed. You know why they're annoyed? Because they're not complete. You know why they're not complete? Because they choose not to. Some of these Bibles, especially the ones you bring to church, if they talk about you, they say, only if you knew that they only touch me when you tell me, when you tell them to touch it. Open up your Bibles. You open them. Some, all week and you don't open up your Bible? All week? Now, let's say you, you, you can't read or, or, or whatever the case might be. There's audio. There's audio Bible. There, in other words, there's not an excuse. Every answer that you need concerning life, it's in here. And you will notice something about the, the Bible that from Genesis to Revelation, history repeats itself. There's nothing new under the sun. That's why when I saw these popcorn, bubblegum churches, especially the one, I, I remember, look, look how foolish Christians are. A pastor buys his church, uh, a pastor buys his wife a $200,000 vehicle. My spirit knew he did something wrong. Because ain't no man on the face of this earth going to buy their wives a $200,000 vehicle. That's not going to happen. And all the Christian women, oh, I wish my husband was like that. <laughs> Crying, right? And I was like, I know he messed up. 
I know he did something. Guess what? Guess what? He was cheating on her. Oh, now the people that were, they don't come to me. You know why? Because the spirit convicts you when something's wrong. And, and matter of fact, when I give my wife a gift, I give it from the heart, no matter what the price is. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't have anything to hide from her. I'm faithful to her and I love her. What I'm trying to say is that you cannot fall into mediocre Christians who are leading based on emotions and not facts. Because the fact of the matter is, what makes you a better wife? $200,000 car while there's people starving in the streets. They're they ready to kick them out the church. You, you know for what reasons they want to kick them out the church? First of all, for being unfaithful. And second, for being reckless with his money. Reckless with his money. Now, you can buy your wife whatever you want to buy your wife. You can buy your husband whatever you want to buy them. But at the end of the day, be careful how you justify that amount. Because God will call you accountable for every single dollar that he has given you. Even every penny, even the penny that you could care less for, God cares about it because he gave it to you. How did he give it to you? When he woke you up in the morning to go to work and he blessed you and he covered you and they cut you a check. That's how he blessed you. Amen. God is good. To be enlightened believers, they see beyond the struggles of individuals and they say to themselves, how can I be a blessing? How can I help these people? And you begin to pray effectively. You begin to do things that you never thought you were going to do. You begin to stretch out in ways that you never thought you were going to be stretched out. And you go to bed and you think about those people and you say, God, some way, somehow, meet them wherever they are. You see, when I was a bad boy, I had nothing but enemies. But this is what I learned about scripture, especially in Proverbs. How many of you have enemies? Raise your hands. No, no, y'all don't have no enemies? I'm going to hang out with y'all. Raise those hands up. Everybody in this building got enemies. You know what the Bible says in the book of Proverbs? That when you, when your ways are pleasing to God, your enemies are at peace. Meaning that your enemies won't even talk about you. So if you're, if someone is talking ill about you or someone's wishing you wrong, Make sure that your ways are God's ways so that God could put them at peace with you. That's a promise. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? God is good. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says very clearly, For we do not struggle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil, of evil. If you're still fighting with the lady at, at Walmart... Shame on you. One time God challenged my character. I ordered a, a refrigerator. It never got delivered. I was frustrated. I was angry. I was upset. To the point that I made multiple phone calls and I made multiple threats. You know those threats that we make. We're calling somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that knows something about it and knows something. And, and, and the Holy Spirit began to work with me and said, be at peace, be at peace, be at peace. So I called and I said, listen, I'm going to cancel the order. Just don't deliver. Forget about it. I, you know, I took a couple of days out of work. The person never showed up with the refrigerator. Let alone, I didn't know any idea that God was going to move us 
and the place we were going to move already had all that and brand new, that would have been a waste of six, $700 for a refrigerator that you were not going to use a year later in life. So in other words, what God is saying is there, things don't happen just to happen. They happen for a reason. But if you give into those things, those things will make you get out of. What did I get by calling these people? I lost my time. I lost my patience. But in the, and while I lost those things, God revealed to me that I needed some work on. He said, you need, I need to work on you. Because at the end of the day, the refrigerator is not a big deal. You got one. It's not like your food is out in the street. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? It wasn't a big deal. It was that I made it a big deal because I wasn't being patient enough. But in reality, God wanted to bless me in another avenue, in another way. I just didn't see it that way. All I saw was the refrigerator not being delivered. Now, it was some time wasted. Give me some credit. But at the end of the day, how much time do we waste with God? If he was to bring to account everything that we've done. How many times last week before you came here, before you walked into this church, you actually went into the word or have intimacy with God? Let's be real. Zero to none. And you have no excuse. Some of you have time. I told the church, if y'all get me out of work full time, I'm going to become a doctor in the word. A doctor. I'm straight up becoming a doctor in the word. Because I have so much time to go and educate myself. But meanwhile, I got to work and I got to take care of business. But you don't see me complaining. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I'm not judging you because of me, because at the end of the day, there's a lot of me that still needs to be pulled. Amen? God is good. So the Apostle Paul makes it clear. He says, you're not wrestling against flesh and blood. So why are you having arguments with flesh and blood? You have to see beyond that. You have to be a peacemaker that when you see somebody in a bad mood, program yourself to be a blessing. You don't know if that person... Just receive news that they're about to lose their mother or their father or they're about to get evicted. And there's so much going on in their minds like me. When I come home, I, 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 work has been tough lately. Tough, hard. Especially for those who are first responders. God bless you. You are dealing with so many principles and demons and all of these things are just coming at you. That all you're just looking is for some peace. You just want to relax. You just want to chill. And in the midst of all of that. God still makes a way where there's no way. But you have to keep continuing reminding yourself. Now look at your neighbor and say, hey, it's time to grow up. So they forgot the cheese on your plain hamburger. You said you wanted it plain. Oh, but what I really meant, I wanted it with cheese. Then ask for it. They forgot to put the, the sugar. They forgot to put the cream. Did, did you, were you specific? No. But we get upset. The Apostle Paul tells the church in Colossae, hey, listen, this is not a suggestion. This is a command. You have to forgive one another as God has forgiven you. It's not, a, it's not when you get to it. You better do it. You better do it. You know why many Christians are considered to be boring and blah and not desirable? Is because them themselves as individuals are so miserable 
that they lose out on the best years of their lives. You, you hear Christians, instead of being a, a blessing to another, hey, you look great, you look awesome. Where are you going? Why are you so dressed up? Can I get a compliment? Can I give you a compliment? I never say that to people. I say, you look beautiful. You look nice. Hey, I like, I was looking at Dave today. I said, what you got there in that tie? He said, I got a ring. I said, I want one of those. I like that. Small little details. You're miserable because you choose to. Imagine you getting up in the morning and being the desire and the envy of all. Because when you have God in you, people will desire that God. And people will envy that God that you have. Because they say everything you touch, everything you do, it it, it flourishes. But when you are a dried up raisin, okay, nothing comes in and nothing goes out. And you want to dry everyone's sunshine up, you want to dry up everybody, you ought to check your heart. You're not in the right place. There's something wrong with you. I, I encourage Christians to go to the gym, to eat healthy. To, to, you, you look at me and you say, Pastor, you're well put together. It took a lot for me to get pulled together. I began taking care of myself. I began going to WebMD and searching things. And, and, and as you get older, to drink, I'm drinking teas for crying out loud. Tea. Oh. Good stuff. But you know what I did? I found a remedy. I took some honey and put it in that tea so it could taste better. I squeezed the lemon. I, I made I, the process, the process. That's why I look so good. I know y'all hating. Oh, my God. God is so good. Unresolved issues will lead to old behaviors and old sinful ways, even into cycles. I'm going to repeat that again. Unresolved issues will lead to old behaviors, old sinful ways, and even cycles. Holding grudges will, uh, will develop in you a dysfunctional attitude. You see people, one minute they're talking about God, and then the next minute they're threatening you. What kind of godly behavior is that? You, you ever met Christians like that? It's like they're bipolar. One minute it's, oh, God, this, we got to do this. Then I'm leaving. I'm taking off. I'm getting out of it. Oh, yeah, God's going to call you accountable for that. I know that you think that God is playing with you. God is giving you time, and the clock is ringing. Because people are going to get fed up on you. And when they walk away from you, don't blame God, don't blame the devil, blame yourself. You know why people get around me? Because I appreciate everyone that's around me. I love everybody. I have my ways and I have my moments and sometimes I don't want to be around people. That's okay. It's good to have a breather, to be by yourself and and just relax and just chill, process your thoughts. But just because I'm not talking to you doesn't mean I have an attitude against you. Maybe I'm wrestling with something. And instead of you being a blessing, you're being a hindrance. And so when, when I saw, the other day, I saw, my spiritual saw Wayne. And he looked bothered about something. I checked, I said, what's wrong with you? He's like, oh, pastor. I said, what's wrong with you? He said, oh, man, this and this and that. What the Bible say? He goes, you're right. He put on a smile. <laughs> Wayne will tell you, I'm rough. Many people want to work with me. You don't want to work with me. Where's Chris? <laughs> Look, he took off. 
Ask Chris. Give God a round of applause, church. You need to repent. You need to ask for forgiveness. You need to be restored. Now, let me tell you something. I'm speaking as a man. I work 40 hours a week. I'm a husband, a father, a pastor, full-time. I got to have self-control. My elbow's bothering me. I've been having this pinch in my elbow for, for a couple of days. I'm not old. I don't need a cortisone shot. Maybe I need a Holy Spirit shot. But this morning, even picking up the Bible, it, just, it was a pinch. It's been bothering me for a few days, and I've been, been, been taking some ibuprofen, and it seems not to go away, but I'm moving my arm. And I got all of these things going on, and, and this, and this, and this, and that, and that, and this. And, and in the midst of it all, I thank God. You wouldn't even know if I had any pain unless I told you. You, you wouldn't, and it's sad how some people will take their pity little life and their little pity little problems that are not really pretty problems, that are not pretty, pretty issues, and they throw them to a, uh, other believers when other believers are going through hell and you don't even consider that. Have you ever considered the people who are in power, how they're being pressed by corona, moving in all the, pray for them. You know why they can't find a solution to a corona and a vaccine? Because the world is complaining instead of praying. Instead of praying, God, give the scientists, the the doctors, whether they give you the glory or the honor, we will for them. But that a vaccine, that something will break this coronavirus off of us. But no, instead of being part of the solution, we're the problem. Why is this line not moving? There's a line that's moving very fast. It's called the line to hell. You want to get on that line? For real. I, I don't have a problem wearing that Walmart. Actually, every, every time I go to Walmart, I run into high school buddies that I haven't seen in a long time. And we have a good old time talking about all this crazy. Why do they always got to talk about all the crazy stuff I did? Talk about all the good stuff I've been doing for the last 20 years. You, you hear them all the time. Yeah, you remember when you used to cut your eyebrows and you used to wear a banana. You used to wear a gang. And, used to, and I'm like, for real, bro? Really? That's all you remember? Can you, can, can you talk about the Holy Ghost? In me, in the last, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Isn't it funny how people remind you of your past rather than your present and your future? Amen. So the Apostle Paul tells them, listen, I need you to understand that if you come into relationship with the Holy Spirit, there's going to be an impartation that's going to make you a better person. Okay? Now, During this crisis, a lot of people use this terminology just to keep themselves motivated based on everything that's going on. You you hear people saying every crisis produces what? An opportunity, right? You've been hearing that, right? Every crisis produces an opportunity. And it's a great thing. But you know what every crisis does as well? It reveals the character of the person. I remember 2011, we were without power for about how many days? Ten days. Oh, I felt bad for them people working at the power line. They were getting threatened here in the city of Springfield. Man, I want to bust, I'm going to bust yourself. And I want to do this. And the majority of them were Christians. Did, 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 did you realize that those people needed prayer as much as you needed prayer? And, and you know what was the main issue in 2011? It wasn't not only power. It's that people couldn't connect to Facebook. 
Not me. I was old school. I took out all the meat. I took some snow and put it inside of the cooler. I left it outside. Hey, hey, I'm just saying. I went to my mom's house. She had hot water. It was, it was a couple of us in the same room. That's okay. But my buns were toasty. Every crisis produces an opportunity, and every crisis reveals your true character. Period. Let's say today God says, I'm going to put you through a trial. Let me see how you're going to react. Uh, who, who was here Wednesday night? Powerful teaching by Minister Wayne. He talked about laws, uh, uh, Job's wife, right? And he said how Job's wife re, uh, told Job, rebuke, uh, curse your God and die and this and that. You want to hear the funny thing? I, I was sitting there and I said, she was a gold digger. You know, that's the first thing that came to mind. And the reason why I say that is because of this. Check this out. If he's the head of the household and all of his children died the same day, his vineyards were burnt down, his body, it doesn't say her body, it said his body was with boils, right? How is it possible that she is telling him to curse God? That goes to show you that she was more driven to everything, the blessing, except the relationship with God. Because this man says to her, you talk like a foolish woman. When he's going through the boils, he lost as much as she lost. And it's embarrassing for the man to lose because you're the head of the household. But he kept his composure even though he didn't know God like like he should have known God, but he began to learn God. But there you see this woman, she didn't care anything about God because she tells her husband, die, curse your God. But in reality, you lost your children, you lost your house, and your husband too. Didn't you consider his feelings, his, his emotions? And that's how many pr- Christians think today. They think about their emotions and their feelings. Did you think about how your decisions affect others? Imagine I decided, I'm not going to go to work today. I don't want to be married today. I can do that. But consequences are coming. How do you think my daughter is going to feel that I don't go to work? The first thing that's going to go through her mind, who's going to give me a pair of vans? Who's going to get me hair gel? I love you, baby. Imagine that. No, I have to get up and fight just like you. Every day. Every day. My challenges might be different than you, but it doesn't make an exception because the devil's the devil. Just because I'm a pastor doesn't make me better than you. Does it doesn't mean that I have extra favor of God. No, God, God deals with me accordingly. But let me tell you something. I am grateful for everything that God has given me, man. Everything. God is so good, right? For real. Who would have ever thought a high school dropout will be preaching to a congregation? Who, who would have ever thought a gangbanger that, that went around, I got around, and all those things. And, 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 and God, some way, some shape, some form, some form, grabbed me in the midst of my ignorance and saved me from it. And now that I'm his servant, I'm acting like if I'm not his servant. The Apostle Paul writes this letter to teach the church that the Holy Spirit will dwell in believers in this form. This is how you know that somebody has the Holy Spirit. When they have wisdom. Not any wisdom, but godly wisdom. Isn't it funny that nobody knows in what direction we're going nowadays? And they call themselves Christians. 
two years, two years, right? God told us to prepare for the recession two years ago. We got that on recording two years ago. Understanding, what kind of understanding? God's understanding. Be able to understand when it's your season and not your season. God knows the desires of your heart. He knows you want a car. He knows you want a house. He knows you want a husband. He knows you want a, want a wife. But it's according to his timing, not your timing. Let me tell you, if God would have gave me a house when I was 20 years old, I would have gone bankrupt. God gave me a house when I was 26 years old. Why? Because I became mature and I was able to understand that I needed to make those payments. That I had to cut the grass. Because many of us want houses, but we don't want to cut no grass. We don't want to shovel no snow, especially if you live up here in New England. I ain't shoveling no snow. No, the house looks pretty, but the house brings responsibility. I want a swimming pool. I don't want it now because the water's green. How did the water get green? Ah, oh, don't talk to me. Don't talk. Don't come over here with your hallelujah, hallelujah. You always wear your perfection. Well, don't ask for a swimming pool. You think if you don't go swimming there, you don't take care of it, the frogs are going to jump in there? Oh, some of y'all, nah, man, y'all holy roly. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Passion, okay? Love. It's clear evidence that the Holy Spirit resides in you. And I'm going to repeat that again. Wisdom, understanding, passion, love. It's a clear evidence that the Holy Spirit is residing in you. Now, you say, well, pastor, what about the people that come in and out? That's mercy. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's mercy. That's the Holy Spirit giving that person time to get it together. Those are what you call lukewarms. That if they don't get it right, God's going to vomit them from their mouth. And you have to be careful. That, I, I, I don't, I'm not afraid of anything in this earth. The only thing I'm afraid of in this earth is death. Why? Because I want to make sure that I'm going to the right place. Now, you can act tough and say, you know, I'm going to thug it out. DMX, baby. Ride or die. Let me tell you something. When it's your time to die, you're going to be afraid because you don't have control over death. You don't know what death is going to come. I remember when I had that encounter at the women's gathering. When my spirit came out of my soul, I mean, when my spirit came out of my body, that was crazy. And there was people that witnessed I was dead. I wasn't even breathing. And I saw my spirit just getting away from my body. I was trying to jump into my body. Let me tell you something. I repented, and I said, God, bring me back, and I'll make sure I get it right. I wasn't doing anything wrong. It's that God was doing an encounter. I had an encounter with me. But let me tell you something. You cannot control death, and death will come to you one day. So live today for the glory of God. Live tomorrow for the glory of God. Everything you do, do it for the glory of God. Amen? God is good. God is good. When was the last time you won someone for God or even brought somebody to church? Eight years I've been the pastor of this congregation. In the eight years, I have brought 70% of the people that have attended this church. 70. I count it. Some of them are here, some of them are still here, some of them are watching us, 70%. Because I have pro projected in my mind to save souls, to preach to someone, to counsel someone about God. When, when you ain't producing and you ain't winning souls, you should question yourself. What are you doing with your calling? It's good to get the blessing, but what about the work that goes with it? You get what I'm saying? I'm not saying this to boast, but that's a reality, 70%. 
I remember when I first met Wayne. I was training him. He was annoying. Ah. I remember one time I went down to the Spanish restaurant and I brought him a creyendo de papa, potato ball. And the first thing he said to me, what's that? And I felt like saying, you And then after he ate it, man, that was good. I began to work with him. And I remember he started going to the church. And the church that we used to go to, it was primarily uh, Spanish speaking. So I would have to translate to him. Not only I had to put up with him at work. I had to translate. I know I have a crown in heaven. And if there's stars up there in those crowns, I, I got a big one that says Wayne on it. Y'all know Wayne now. Y'all didn't know John Wayne. He'll tell you. He ain't lying. So I remember we were talking, we were introduced to the first fruits. So I explained to him about the first fruits. Hey, you know, uh, the church, we're going to be collecting the first fruits. And I explained to him what it was. I ain't giving up that check. That was his attitude. I ain't giving up that kind of money. I said, hey, listen, I'm just trying to train you and show you the ways of God. You can do whatever you want, you know. The day of the first fruits. Guess who's the first one coming into the church with their basket, smiling like Kool-Aid? It was Wayne. I said, oh, man, it was worth it. It was worth it, God. It was worth it. It was worth it, God. It was worth it. And I wasn't even the pastor of the church. Why? Because I wanted to train him in the ways of God, whether he believed it or not. That's not up to me. Now, he can tell you that the one that convicted him was the Holy Spirit because I told him, hey, if you want to do it, do it. If you don't, you don't. And today, he's a phenomenal teacher in the ways of God. Amen? I, I remember when I first met Dave. This is how Dave greeted me. I opened up the door for him, and he said, oh, I wish I had a big white coin to give you. And I said, you mother... And who is Dave today? <laughs> Maria told him like that. Don't say that, babe. <laughs> Don't say that, hon. I, I, I believe v- vaguely. It was a long time ago. It's when Dave had hair. Oh, no, Dave never had hair. But, <laughs> but I remember. He, he, and, 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 and I rejoice because God is so amazing how he worked and how he brought us all together. And today we are the Resurrection Center. Because the Resurrection Center is not the pastor. It's a group of people and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I only play a part in the Resurrection Center. Meaning that God can replace me at any given moment. Especially if I forget what I'm supposed to be doing. But so forth, so forth. Um, Corinthians chapter 2 verse 13 verse 5 says very clearly to check, to examine your heart. In other words, check that attitude. Where's it coming from? Where's producing? What have you been given into? What door have you opened? Check your heart. Second uh, of Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the apostle Paul tells the church, examine yourself. For example, when I feel crispy, which sometimes I do, I say, God, where's that coming from? I talk to him like that. And, 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 and the other day, the Holy Spirit said to me, you, you're tired. You haven't rest properly. You haven't been listening to your wife. Because when, when I get up from bed, I'm up and I'm gone. I, I, I'm doing things. I'm moving. And my wife is, is the type of person that 
you know, she tries to keep me in the bed. She's like, oh, babe, just lie down another minute. And then I open up my eyes. It's 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Some days you need that. Not every day, but some days you need to just sleep in bed. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you need that good sleep. You know that sleep, Miss Ruth, when you wake up and it's 930 and Chris is, Chris is there embracing you with a cup of coffee? You haven't had that in a while. Shame on you, Chris. Oh, yesterday, okay, I was, I was speaking from past experience. Okay, 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 I clear that up. <laughs> it's time to repent, church, and turn to godly behaviors. Now, before we close, this is a word that God gave me last night when I was in the shower. I went to take a shower late last night, and I want everyone, including uh, my leaders, to document this. Okay? There's 110 days left. The Holy Spirit said to me last night while I was taking a shower. 110 days left to the end of this new year. I mean of this year. Ushering the the new year. And this is the warning to the prophets, prophetees, intercessors, and watchmen. Document this. This is your warning and those who are watching me. If you are in the department of a prophet, prophetess, intercessor, or watchman, listen very carefully. Pastors, apostles, leaders of a congregation depend on your prayers, your intercession, and your support. And many prophets... Prophetees, intercessors, and watch guards have dropped down their guards. And in 110 days, if you do not return to your position in your office, God is going to remove you. The pastor or the apostle should never be vulnerable to an attack. Because when there's a praying church, an interceding church, we're able to intercede. The attacks of the devil and the pastor or the apostle or the bishop is not vulnerable to those attacks. So it's time that you wake up. You put on your spiritual binoculars. Begin to see what's going on in the spiritual realm so you can warn your pastor. And say, Pastor, the Holy Spirit has said to me that in such day this is going to happen. We need to prepare. You know what's happening? Pastors, especially in churches that are called by God, are doing everything by themselves. They're interceding, they're praying, they're uplifting people, and no one in those departments is taking their rightful place and saying, Pastor, like the other day, my spiritual daughter um, texted me, and she said, God put me to fast for you, Pastor. Just like that. And everything that, that you're going through, God is revealing it to me. And I come against the enemy that's trying to distract you. That's, you. You know how that broke me down? It broke me down because I knew I wasn't by myself. But when you're surrounded with all of these problems and situations and then petty people, people that you don't have nothing to complain about. There's someone right now in the ICU fighting for their life while you're sitting here. What time is he going to shut up so I could go to the Golden Corral? What, what time is the pastor going to shut up so I could go to Red Robin, so I could go to the cookout, I could go here, I could go there? Is that what you're worried about? Are you worried about your football team? Let me tell you something. Those things are not important. 
What's important is what God is saying. I don't need to tell you your role. You play your role. Even if I ignore you in the midst of a warning, guess who God's going to call accountable? Me. But when you're disconnected, and I'm disconnected, and everybody's disconnected, the ship will wreck and go down. It took three years to build the Titanic, and it took two hours and 40 minutes for the ship to sink. And God's been placing that in my spirit, that many churches are going to buckle and go under just like the Titanic because they built the ship, they built the church, not with God's vision, with their own vision. We want to be trendy. We want to be catchy. Well, no, 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 no. God is not about that. The house of God is not a place of business. The house of God is a house of prayer. We're not going to come here and sell you things just to make you feel good and better. No. We're going to give you the word of God. So you have 110 days to get it together before God removes you from your office. And if you think that God is playing, record this message and we will see by the end of the year if you will not be removed from. Now, let me tell you something. You might have this attitude that most people have. I don't care. I don't. Let me tell you something. When God removes you from something, you're going to wish you cared. The saddest thing that I have seen in my life is somebody that was a leader in a church or a pastor in a church, or whatever position in the church, losing everything and in the streets, naked. And I don't mean physically, I mean spiritually. Because one of the things that people are going to say, because the devil is good at this, when, when God removes himself from you, the, the devil will get his minions and be like, mira la que era cristiana, mira el que hablaba en lengua, look, the holy one, and that will torment you. That's what happened to Judas, he got tormented. Because sometimes you don't know what you have until you lose it. That's your prophetic word. Jessica, there's 110 days. Miss Ruth, there's 110 days left. Wayne, there's 110 days left. Erica, 110 days left. Put on your spiritual binoculars, church. See the iceberg so that you can make the right turn. Because let me tell you something. The devil ain't going to move until you move. Are you hearing me? If your marriage is in jeopardy at home, if your house is a disaster at home, now it's time for you to repent. Own up to your fault. Own up to it. Own up. Say, God, I messed up. I opened up a door that I shouldn't have. I did something that I shouldn't have. I messed up. That's okay. But at least you're gonna you're gonna be restored. You you know I I, lo I love these these makeovers that people do. You know when you run into people that you haven't seen in a while, and they're well taken care of. You know their hair's done, everything, and, and you say I admire that. Why do you admire that? Because they didn't give up in life. You, you get what I'm saying? They they decided to say you know what I'm I'm gonna embrace life. I'm going to embrace life. I'm going to embrace it. There's a lot of people today who they wish they can say what you can say, but they can't because it's over for them. Some of them are locked up 30, 40 years to life. 
just because of a bad choice or a wrong mistake and and you have the opportunity you got freedom right now freedom to choose and do go and come forward let me tell you something and as we begin to wrap god bless you everyone who's watching us we ask you to be a part of what god is doing not only here at the resurrection center but any other church that God is doing it, God is a God that is moving in order and he's moving around the globe and he's just using many ministers. But allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and direct you. Until we meet again, Pastor Jose here at the Resurrection Center. Um, for more information about our, web, uh, about our ministry, I'm sorry about that, log on to our website, www.resurrectionspringfield.org or any social media platform at TRC413. God bless you. We love you. For those who are here, Friday, we have cameras in this building, and they cover the whole property. And this phone kept going off every time somebody.